0: everyone and welcome back to the show this is reservations and i'm rain whalen
1: and i'm Maypax, the official tampon of nascar
0: <laughs> would have what would have only made that 10 times better is if Haley threw you a box and you're like yeah that would have made it so of course the people listening would have been like what just happened yeah but the people watching a they, for they, a reason mm-hmm. exactly uh, the people watching, they would have known. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> so, so, like, were, are your parents big advocates of Maypacks? Is that why they named you that? Huge.
1: Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a... <laughs> oh, that's,
0: dude, that's really, oh, my God, that's so good.
1: Three Maypacks for I, life. We're naming me Maypacks, so. though.
0: That's, how I guess. And that's, that's your whole name, Maypax, the official tampon of NASCAR.
1: Yeah, it's hyphenated. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which part? Like well, Maypax, all, the-,
1: the official tampon of NASCAR. It's, it's all hyphenated. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, I guess filing your taxes must be a nightmare then. It's
1: not easy. But, you
0: know, it's like last name. <laughs>
1: uh, Ooh. That's uh, a joke. Uh,
0: Oh my god, Yum. that's uh, that's so good, that's so good. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back, everyone. Um, today's a kind of a special episode. Uh, both the the audio and the video are coming out on Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. Uh, right. Yesterday, uh, uh, relative to this recording, uh, Jeremy and I both just had some long days at work, and we're just like, you know what? We're not going to make people wait for a week for this episode, but we also
1: aren't ready for this. So no, I would forget so much if we waited a week and like, I'm not going to watch it again.
2: <laughs>
0: so, yeah. 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 Let's <clears throat> watch it again. Well, and also like to your point, rewatching it, I forgot uh, a little tease f- for the setup. Uh, I forgot how um, brutal this movie was. <laughs>
1: Um, for me, I had forgotten because Haley kept asking, like, "Is this a horror movie?" And I said, "No, it's just weird. It's it's quirky. It's it's Twin Peaks, right?" And then I, I yeah. kept watching, it and I was like, "Oh Jesus, okay, uh, and thank yeah. God, she's doing something else because uh, this can get pretty scary." Yeah, so. yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. So you know what? Um, so for our audio audio listeners, Zach, uh, sorry, the episode wasn't out yesterday, but hey, the audio is out today, or you can just go watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, also, I'm doing something that Jeremy is very upset with, uh, but I'm gonna keep doing it. yeah, um I'm wearing glasses
1: unreal <laughs> unreal they're not uh, literally unreal they are not real glasses.
0: yes, uh, everyone i I was cursed with twenty twenty vision. I don't need <laughs> to wear glasses. Um, but I've always, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you want what you can't have. I've always wanted glasses. Yeah. Um, and I saw these online, uh, for Morby Parker. They were doing a, uh, collab with the new Spider-Man two game. And jokingly, I told my mom about them because they were $95 That's expensive. and, and, uh, She hits me up and she goes, Merry Christmas. They're on your way. They're on the way to you. And I was like, uh, okay. Well, if it makes you feel any better, my wife said, why didn't you get like a blue light filter? That way they served a purpose.
1: Well, so like, you know, but you have a good point because I think in an interview, uh, Christopher Reeve said that he just really wanted to be on a wheelchair. And so like I think he just like willed that into existence, I guess. Wait, did he really say that? No. Because what well, you just ridiculous. ridiculous. Unbelievable. Oh. Um, oh Jesus Christ. This, this is uh ugh. Oh man. This is the eighth deadly sin is wearing fake glasses. <laughs>
0: Well, and again, uh, before we get into it, this isn't the first time I've done this. Uh, in the sixth grade, I found some at Hot Topic, like really cheaply made ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I wore those bitches out. Like wow. they, they were falling apart. Um, I probably won't wear these all the time, but definitely for the first while, uh, I probably will. Because, again, th- these were a gift from my mother. So. Ooh,
1: yeah, of course.
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, i get it um well you want to know one last thing about the glasses uh i felt like i felt like john mulaney from his new stand-up special because fucking none of my colleagues have said a fucking thing about them like i thought they'd be like oh you're you're wearing glasses nope not they have not even honestly like that didn't i
1: they may have just assumed you've been wearing glasses the whole time. And they're just like, I guess we just don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or or that I've always had contacts or something. It's um, the,
1: it's that, uh, that cold open in the office, one of those episodes where it's Stanley's birthday. And they get in that birthday card that mentions his mustache. And they're like, wait, does Stanley have a mustache? And so half of the office is like, yes, he has a mustache for sure. And the other half is like, I don't know. I don't think he does. And then he comes in. And he has one and they're like, ah, you know, uh, cause no one really it, just pays attention to Stanley. So, um, maybe, that's well,
0: a- maybe, well, and, uh, my assistant manager said that I should definitely keep it to myself that they're cosmetic, um, that they are, they do not serve a purpose. Yep. He's like, just keep, just keep that to yourself. If they ask,
1: just, just tell them
2: it's you've always thing. needed a class.
1: It's a good thing. Like your, your staff doesn't listen to this show yeah they're, that's true they're in the majority um that's true yeah they're in good company <laughs> oh jesus because i can guarantee you like okay so you know how like you're like your part-time as your assistant manager you know how they don't listen like uh-huh. they're in a category with like with like brad pitt and barack obama and they don't listen to us either you know
0: dude <laughs> what if you just said that and now we're gonna get a comment from Former President Barack Obama. It's like I, uh, I listen every day, and we're just like, well, now we got to start catering to Obama. Now
1: you, um, you bring me so much joy, and
0: uh, I love your friendship. He's typing the. He's typing the. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Uh,
1: right. We so, gotta get this right. thing
2: going.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we're getting out all the laughs because I, uh, as as I texted you, um yesterday i feel like this one's gonna be a long one because we've got a lot of we got a lot of ground to cover a lot of things to to talk about um so in case uh, everyone forgot uh this week it was my pick and today we are doing the 1992 technically psychological horror film uh from david lynch twin peaks fire walk with me um this is a prequel to the twin Peaks show that aired in 1991, um, which honestly was a cultural phenomenon.
1: Um, yeah, no, it was a huge deal. So like when this show was on the air, it was unlike anything else on television. It was completely subversive from anything like it on television. So even if you wanted to compare it to something like it's nothing like that, you know, it's it's, you know, subverting those expectations of what you think a show is going to be, because Not only is it like this weird, quirky drama, but it's also this, um, this murder mystery and it's also this surrealist, avant garde piece. And then it's also part horror and then it's, you know, part soap opera, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, It, it was completely different. And the way David Lynch makes anything, it's got his, you know, his overlay of just his personality in it. And so, um, I remember I was watching this documentary series from PBS um, called "America in Prime Time," and they would go over the history of television uh, up until mm-hmm.
2: then,
1: which was probably like two twenty fifteen something like that. Um, and David Chase, who created The Sopranos, I was talking about it, and he said that you know it was like watching literal dreams, like. David Lynch knows how a dream feels, right? And he's mm-hmm. putting you in the, in it, right? Um, I mean, because there's some even in this film, which is a little bit more horror and a little less soap opera. But I mean, the soap opera is still there; <laughs> those elements. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely less quirky. Um, oh yeah, for and, and sure. In less, less camp, um, or maybe not less camp. The camp is more dialed more to the thriller horror side.
0: it's uh, yeah, it's it's less humorous than the show,
1: definitely. Um, and a lot of that is because there's not a lot of Dale Cooper in it. <laughs> you but know? uh, yeah,
0: which we'll get into,
1: yeah. um, but I will start off by saying that watching this movie with Haley next to me, she wasn't watching it uh, she was playing her same <laughs> Uh, the Sims on her computer. Um, watching it, I was like, "Okay, let me put myself in a situation where let's pretend I know nothing about it. Let me put me let me put myself in her situation." Mm-hmm. And I did, and I've come to the conclusion that I would have been completely lost. <laughs> Not yeah. even it wouldn't even come close to understanding what was going on. And you know, it's sort of like yes, it's a prequel. But the prequel isn't like – I think you said it last week that it it can count as a standalone film, which it had to, right? Because it came out theatrically and so people went to go see this thing who had probably never seen Twin Peaks before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got to tell you, that's why the reviews are so bad. (laughs) Um, Because we're getting sort of an idea of who these people are, but we've already been Mm -hmm. introduced to them. So those of us who watch the show and so the film isn't reintroducing people to you, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny is I said that, you know, uh, like I mentioned last week, my assistant manager is also a big fan of Twin Peaks. And I told him that I was like, you know, if people went and saw this film and they had no idea of the show, they would be completely lost. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he was like, well, no, I, I think people would have seen it. And I was like, I, a year after the it. show got kicked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think like to his point that like, even if you'd never watched the show, you probably had heard of it or at mm-hmm. some point. But <clears throat> yeah, you know, the movie. The movie compared to the show is overtly more Lynch. That's because he didn't have Mark Frost with him on this. Pretty much. I was majority of him. Um, and yeah, he, and like I mentioned off mic, he definitely made this for the people who have seen the show. <clears throat> and like you said, he had no intention of reintroducing us to Dale Cooper, Laura Palmer, Leland Palmer, Donna Haywood. You know, he, he, it was almost like he was like, you should know who these people are. I'll give you some new characters, but that's it. Um, and even then the new characters, uh, we, we only get two. And one of them, as far as I can tell, because I, as I also mentioned off mic, as I started rewatching the show in preparation for this episode, only one of these two new characters, no, I'm sorry, three, there's three new characters. Uh, I forgot about Philip Jeffries. Um how could you? I know. Uh, which we'll get to. Which we'll get to. Uh but one of them so far was only referenced on the show. Um uh Stanley, mm-hmm. uh Kiefer Sutherland's character. Yeah. Because Cooper says in episode
1: two. Would you watch today?
0: <laughs> uh yes. Uh when he's sending when he's taping himself for Diane, he says Keep this away from Sam. I want Albert's team on this. It's doing the thing again.
1: Yeah, it's doing the thing. Yeah, it's because you. I don't know. Um, yeah.
0: Anyway, but yeah. So so Lynch was like, if you go into this movie, I'm not I'm not holding your hand. You should know who these characters are,
2: mm-hmm.
0: what's happening, <laughs> um, and you know the other thing that I mentioned uh, to my assistant manager is if you missed the reveal. In the show, of who Laura Palmer's killer was, mm-hmm. this movie gives you a definitive answer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he
0: was like, "Well, you know, the show was pretty definitive." I was like, "Yeah," but as soon as that's done, they're over, they've moved on from that. Yeah, I was like, the movie, for me at least, is the definitive answer.
1: Well, what's really interesting that- is that, from my understanding, Lynch originally wanted to keep the killer is secret, right? Mm -hmm. Wanted to keep it ambiguous, but I think, and again, from my understanding, he wasn't going to dwell on it all the time, right? It was still Mm going to be sort of more about the town and about the people. And, you know, yes, there will be sprinkles of the black lodge and sprinkles of, you know, the ring and all that stuff within the show and still trying to figure out who killed Laura Palmer. But really that's going to be sort of like, it's just going to be a part of the town, right. Mm-hmm. That we yeah. will come back to every so often. Right. Um, yeah. Which is fascinating to think about it that way um, is, yeah, a, you know, you want, you wish that they didn't have to, you know, uh, give you the answer. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cause they were, uh, him and Mark Frost were getting a lot of pressure from the executives but apparently audiences were also like well who killed her we we want to know so they're
2: well, giving because
1: at that time i mean you're thinking about television you know that's normal it's normal to answer the question like lynch is so far from from the average audience viewer or the average audience member or a uh, tv viewer uh that he's just like why do you guys care so much <laughs> he <laughs> he himself Doesn't understand why setting up a mystery. Why would anyone want it solved? Like he's like, "What are you talking?" You know, like which is such a large ideology to have. Is the yeah? I mean, it's a mystery, but it's like, isn't the fun sort of sitting with it? You know? Yeah. And yeah, average people are like, no, (laughs) no.
0: Um. Okay. Well, before we keep going, let's let me give a a brief summary. Because I can make it brief yeah. of this movie, uh, so Fire Walk with Me uh, is technically two stories in one. The first, because I saw the timestamp, first twenty six minutes of the film uh, is the FBI investigating the case of Teresa Banks, which we hear in the pilot of of the show. Um, so it's just the FBI investigating that. We're introduced. This is technically chronologically, the first time we were introduced to the character of Dale Cooper, um, uh, whose part, which we'll get into, uh, was drastically cut down for the film, because Kyle McLaughlin was worried about getting typecast. But, like I said, we'll get there. Um, And sort of Lynch kind of already building this mystery within the FBI, with the, the FBI characters that we would see in the show cut to a year later in the film. And we are technically reintroduced to Laura Palmer in the last week of her life leading up to the events of the show Mm -hmm. and watching her. I watched a video and and (laughs) now I'm going to put this on present rain because every time I've edited, (laughs) I keep forgetting to actually credit the videos um. So hopefully I credit them. So this isn't a future rain issue. This is a present rain. So hopefully I credit the videos, but I watched this really great video of th- this person saying how the movie, and I'll, and I'll continue with the synopsis here in a second. The movie reframes Laura as instead of this helpless victim, as sort of this target who's wrapped up in a downward spiral, mm-hmm. you know, and honestly, watching Laura's character arc, having the information of the show, then seeing the movie, you can see her character progression. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Cheryl Lee is awesome.
1: Yeah, she's incredible.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we see we see Laura's downward spiral in the last week of her life of being uh, tormented, not only mentally, but physically by... The entity, again, that audience should already know of Bob, um, who is possessing her father. Um, we see a lot of the things that are later, well, that were already referenced in the show. We actually get to see them fleshed out in the film. Um, like James seeing Laura on the last night of her life. Um, uh Bobby killing a guy, which I didn't think they were. You know, when I watched the show for the first time, I didn't think that we were ever going to get to see that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they really do just bring it up once and never again. <laughs> you know. What I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm shocked that Lynch remembered that and was like, "Oh yeah, like we said, he killed a guy. So let's let's put that in Ooh, the movie." We
1: need to circle back to that. Go go ahead, because I that's that's a good point.
0: Yeah. Um. But anyway, and and so the movie again reframes a lot of this stuff that we've already if if you'd already seen the show it reframes a lot of the stuff you've already seen but the ending is something that honestly really sticks with you the ending is almost happy um for laura at least um because everything that we've seen her go through for the majority of the runtime i say majority the re- like the hour and a half runtime that's left in this movie um she is almost at peace in the black lodge Mm -hmm. uh, or at least at least the waiting room of the black lodge the red room um and that's firewalk walk with me uh uh, because again we're gonna we're gonna explore a lot of this because the (laughs) show again like i was saying the show has already fleshed everything else out the movie just takes these little bits that are referenced throughout the show and fleshes those out that yeah, way we get a little bit more cohesive narrative at least with the character of Laura Palmer
1: so let's go ahead and and officially start off by saying that yeah. it's it's funny that you mention a cohesive narrative okay because mm-hmm. uh this film in again if you don't know this it's it's going to like it's either going to make a lot of sense or it's just going to blow your mind uh, right. That this film was supposed to be the first of a trilogy. Yeah, yeah, and I read so, that last night. And so, like Philip Jeffries, okay, <sighs> that's that was supposed to be a crazy. This was supposed to be its own thing later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know where we're setting up all of these dominoes, and he didn't get to knock them down. And so, like later in the return, where Philip Jeffries is that you know steam pipe thing, um, mm. and. If you listen closely, you can hear him say "Julie," right? Because that's Judy. really uh, right. Because that's really the the only sort of like ending we were gonna ever gonna get with Philip Jeffries Because like we only see him in this one, you know, few mm-hmm. minutes. Uh, that was again supposed to be its its own storyline later on in the other movies.
0: Well, and you know, I'm glad we're starting with, with things like that, like with Philip Jeffries, because Lynch casted a perfect actor, uh, David Bowie, who honestly, he stole that whole sequence. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, he's in, he's, um, captivating. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I did read somewhere that when Lynch was starting to plan the return, um, that it was always going to be that Philip was going to have a major role mm-hmm. in the return, but of course, sadly, we we lost David, and Lynch did not want to. One, I'm um, trying to avoid the thumbs up thing. Sure. One, uh, you know, use CGI, or two, you know, use archive footage,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's why he casted a voice actor to kind of do his own spin on Philip Jeffrey's voice because mm-hmm. he didn't want him to try to recreate what David Bowie had been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, um, but anyway, the point I'm making is that, yeah, we were introduced to this character played by a fantastic actor and that's it. Like we get two scenes with him. In the and the
1: sequence is bananas crazy. Like it's, it's Cooper trying to figure something out with the, uh, with the security cameras. Um, And and you know, there's, I honestly, I don't understand it. Right. And, and it's, it's funny earlier you had mentioned that I said, we're going to circle back to is like, I can't believe Lynch remembered the thing about Bobby killing someone Mm. do funny you mention that because he's notorious for, you know, on the day, he'll be like, oh, let's try this, right? And it becomes iconic and mysterious that you think it's like some sort of like breadcrumb to to follow to something that will somehow make sense. And really, he just thought it was cool that day, right? And so it's almost like, you know... And so trying to figure out some of David Lynch's film, David Lynch's films are it, it are impossible. It's impossible because mm-hmm. it, in a lot of instances because again, he'll just think something's cool, people will think that it's super important and connected <laughs> and it's not. Right? Yeah. And so with yeah. that whole camera thing, I don't know what he's doing, right? I don't understand mm-hmm. you know, again, it might have been fleshed out more later on in the other films um where philip jeffries is like this otherworldly presence or because mm-hmm. he has been to the black lodge he is bringing some of that um some of that dark energy with him or something and yeah and that he's there but also he never was there right mm-hmm. and his presence is some i think i'm figuring it out now. and his presence is somehow um <laughs> messing with time um in the station Um, yeah i mean couldn't tell you and we'll never know
0: yeah because i mean like we're not gonna get too much into it because i think this episode would get way too off the rails but like i started watching a little bit of the missing pieces oh okay um and uh there's a scene that got cut where philip kind of shockingly realizes like wait you said it was 1989 because he'd been gone for 2 years he'd been missing for 2 years
2: mm-hmm.
0: and a lot of videos i saw are saying like that's when he realized that he time traveled because then in the missing pieces he goes right back to argentina in 1987 when he disappeared interesting and so a lot and so a lot of people are saying that that's how he was able to figure out time travel and help cooper in the return Travel back in time to to save Laura Palmer. Spoilers for the return, everyone.
1: <laughs> well, save Laura Palmer? Question mark. Um, yeah, question mark. Yeah. What year is this, right? Um, God, dude. So, but okay, so so this film primarily is Laura Palmer's story, right? Yes. um mm-hmm. Which I love the idea of him of david lynch saying let's give them the last few days of laura palmer okay Mm -hmm. it's a fantastic idea and 100 also if you're a huge fan of the show um and it's it's 92 right this is basically season three right yeah um because like these characters that you've come to love and know you're going into the theater and uh, especially when dale cooper says you know um and god knows when or where he'll strike next and then it immediately snaps to twin peaks and you hear the music forget it right yeah i mean how cool yeah is that transition right
0: yeah man yeah re-watching it uh sunday night i was like i was like lynch knew what he was doing he was like hey
1: get it the pl- it's from the show it's that the, i made it's the thing you love right yeah. or it's a thing you've never heard of which <laughs> you know either way um well
0: and i just want to briefly touch on the music of the, the actual score of the opening track for the twin Peaks show the fact that they used it in the film yeah i mean it's
1: i know it's awesome it's so good right so good and yeah. but okay So now if you're a fan of the show, you're expecting some sort of experience. Mm -hmm. And like we said at the top of the show, like this isn't it. This is way darker. This is scarier. This is more mature. Um, This is like a completely different experience. And Mm -hmm. really what we're watching is we're watching this poor girl lose her mind, okay? Yeah. Because she is going through something so unique and so mysterious.
0: Um, I'm sorry if everyone can hear that. Yeah. Our, my dog, Otis. It's been Otis lately. Otis has been, like, freaking out at the uh, littlest thing. Not Hazel, shockingly. Shocking. Yeah.
1: Uh, but, so, like, it's so... Ooh. It's so horrible what she's going through, right? That mm-hmm. eventually we'll come to understand it's it's like psychological, physical abuse, um, and sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, by her father, right? And now yep. we can later get into a debate where we can talk about what's Leland and what's Bob, because you know, I, I. I'll tell you right now I think most of it's Leland. Um yeah, yeah. Uh but so we're we're having her deal with this. We're having her we're watching how she handles this stress, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, with drugs and and men, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and really just and her, women, right. And really just her psychological break because like, I think some may watch it and think that this is just typical Twin Peaks over the top, like soap opera acting. But honestly, I think it's just this woman who is just physically about to shatter to pieces, you know? And she's always on the edge at all mm-hmm. times, right? Um, 100%. Like, there's that scene where. Uh, the one-armed man is chasing them in the truck, right? Yeah. And, and Laura's, I mean, she's losing her mind, right? Um, yeah. Because at that time, she already realizes that it's been her dad, right, uh, sexually abusing her, but then she's all, you know, she's always aware of the the physical mental abuse as well and mm-hmm. emotional abuse.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you want to dedicate time to that because, like I mentioned off mic, you know, how much is Leland? How much is Bob? Um, but yeah, you know, it's like I said at the top of the show, the, the movie is is brutal and unrelenting because, you know, with the show being on ABC, you know, I don't think Lynch could could get away with showing this kind of stuff. No. Um, but now he could. And I think he, you know, as we've learned with doing Maholland Drive and Eraserhead, Lynch doesn't doesn't go fifty percent. He goes a hundred percent. So yeah. I think I think now that he has the medium to go his full hundred percent, he was going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, it's oh, it's so scary. It's yeah, so parts brutal. Of it are
1: really scary. Uh, there's that that character of that kid in the red suit uh, with that white mask. Very scary.
0: Uh, yeah, the the jumping man is because I, I was like, who is that? Like, yeah, why okay, the jumping man? Yeah, he's called the jumping man, and then there's Mrs. Shelford, and all he's called is her grandson,
1: which I think That's is it. David Lynch's son for real. Um, I think so too.
0: Well, and I learned his daughter wrote the tie-in book of Laura Palmer's secret diary.
1: Mm. Okay, so he's
0: really. Really keeping it in the family.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which I almost um, listened to in preparation for the show, but I didn't have time.
0: Yeah, well, and I, I need to read Mark Frost's books, um, The Final Dossier and um, the other one.
1: Um, the only thing that feels a little different is, unfortunately, Laura Flynn Boyle's not in the in the movie. Okay.
0: Yes. Um,
1: I don't oh, know that actor's uh, name. Moira, uh, Moira Kelly. That's her name? Yes. Uh, folks yeah, may she, remember her from Chaplin. Uh, she plays Una. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And, well, she also played the uh, the girl that uh, his first wife. Um, she plays both characters. Uh, she's also in the right, West Wing. Right. Uh, she's in the first season. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Um, she, there's no, I have no complaints about her. I'm just like it. It took me a second to remember that she's supposed to be Laura Linney. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, because uh, wasn't like Lara not like available or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was or? scheduling
1: issues. A lot of people assumed it was because of the graphic content of the film. And really, it was just she had other stuff to do. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Now, I did hear uh, my assistant manager told me that for the return, he was going to bring Lara Fembloya back as Donna. But supposedly, she wanted way too much money. Mm. And they were like, n- n- no. One bomber. Like okay, like well, all right. Well, we don't need Donna in this story anyway. Yeah, we'll just which is a little disappointing.
1: Right around her, I know because she is um, at the time. I mean, but she is kind of one like the main character for a while. So uh.
0: yeah, yeah, especially where I'm at, they've already kind of moved the focus to Donna. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yes, we've got Agent Cooper. And Harry in the background trying to solve Laura's murder, right? Um, but the drama aspect of it is now focused on Donna. yeah. In anyway.
1: terms of the the kids, it's, it's, it's Nana, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's pretty yeah. much the main character, and so um, so that was a weird shift. Also, this time to you know refocus ourselves with the reason we started this story in the first place, which is Laura Palmer, um, and. And I love, okay, so with, with Laura and her sort of coping with all of this stuff, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because, you know, again, it's not only her dad, but it's also Bob, and it's also the Black Lodge, and it's also the people associated with the Black Lodge. And mm-hmm. they're all sort of after her. And, you know, it's all, it. nothing makes sense to her. Uh, she's losing her mind. She's trying to cope with it, but she's also trying to protect the people around her. Um, like, um, like Donna, for instance, uh, when they're, mm-hmm. um, when they're at the roadhouse and um, Donna has like some of her clothing um, and Laura freaks out and is, is super angry at her. And is like, don't wear something. It's not the fact that she's being like, controlling of her stuff, she's saying that people are getting too... She's getting too close to me that if she's too close to me, they might be after her as well. Right? Mm. It's the same with Jimmy? James. James. Shit. It's the same with James, right? Um, She loves James, but she has to push him away because they... James can't get too close, right? Yeah. Yeah, and again, Shirley, yeah. incredible. Shirley, yeah, it was amazing.
0: You know, and what's so interesting is one of the videos I watched, uh, they said how, you know, when Cheryl Lee was first offered the role, you know, Lynch pretty much was like, you're going to be a dead body and you're, you know, we'll have you in for filming some like flashback sequences. Uh, but that's about it. But, you know, there was something about her enough to, for her, for them to create the character of Maddie Mm -hmm. for her to embody Maddie. Uh, but you know, Cheryl Lee is just amazing. Yeah. Like I was only slightly like very, like like 1% slightly disappointed. We got like (laughs) barely anything with her in the return, Mm -hmm. but there's of course a reason for that, which, Again, if we talked about the return, we'd be here forever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she's so like getting to actually see Laura Palmer um, fleshed out in this story, um, seeing the torture she's going through. Cheryl Lee just kills it. Mm -hmm. You know, this this broken teenager, essentially. Yeah. um, Who is doing the best she can with a bad situation dealing with the fact that her father is being possessed by uh, an evil entity uh who's not only uh you know sexually assaulting her but you know mentally um abusing her and it just it's so fascinating to see how well Cheryl Lee just
1: and we find – she finds out pretty early on in the film that it's that it's her dad, right, that's being possessed. Mm-hmm. But she is, throughout the film, trying to find any excuse to write, write off what she saw, right? She goes, yeah. a camping, right? So let me – that's why, you know, if you're watching the film and you're like, she already knows, why is she still, like, getting in a car with him? Why is she still, like, hanging out with him? Because – she can't believe it and she doesn't want to believe mm-hmm. it. And so that's why she's just still trying to figure okay, well, maybe it's not. Let's keep digging. Let's keep asking questions. Let's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But every time it's just like, damn it. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Especially when it all comes ahead in that scene. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think at that point she, she knows irrefutably it's, it's my dad. Yeah. Um, uh, which, you know, in terms of the, uh, the show is such an interesting concept that her dad was being possessed, um, and he's the one who killed her, you know, it is, it is very interesting, but as you kind of hinted at, um, which I think is a good transition is how much of it is Leland. And how much of it is Bob. Because we already know, if you've seen the show, we've already been established that Bob is evil. Yeah. Um, and that he uh I'm not gonna say the actual word, see sexually assaults and murders people. Like it's his job, which I guess he it is his job. Um and something about Leland, well. Something about Laura is what made him latch on to Leland. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of evidence to point, you know, that maybe Leland has
1: more control than we realize. I think so. Because um because he seemed to, to have full faculty of himself when he murdered what's her face? Um You said her name in the beginning. Teresa? Thank you. Uh, When he killed Teresa, that seemed to be... That was his decision. I don't think that was Bob at all. You know, because he was already... Mm -hmm. Like... He was already having an affair with her. Or an affair. She's just a prostitute. But you you know what I'm saying. Um, Yeah. And... He... When he murdered her, that seemed to be all Leland. Right? Mm
2: -hmm. Because...
1: Even when we see Leland at that motel and you know notice that it was Laura in the in the room he was gonna go in and then back out, like that's all Leland, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Like that's not Yeah, because why would yeah, why would Bob Yeah right. unless unless an argument can be made is that maybe Bob didn't want Laura to know yet.
1: Maybe, but, but I don't think that's very important I, I think that's all Leland yeah, and then when he's gonna murder Laura and he's about to, mm-hmm. you're right when he's like, you know, don't make me do this right yeah, that's all Leland right yeah, so I think maybe you could argue that you know Bob's possession of Leland, even when he's not physically possessing Leland that Leland is still corrupted from Bob, mm-hmm. right? Or you could argue, uh, which would which would be pretty interesting, but I don't think it's really Lynch's style to say that all of it's allegory, uh, to say that, you know, um, that Bob is just an allegory for just evil, right? And that Leland, mm-hmm. there is no real Bob, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Leland's just an evil person. And Leland is going to sexually, physically, emotionally, you know, abuse Laura. And then Laura or Lynch is sort of manifesting these actions into a physical possession and a physical being, which is Bob. Yeah. Might be something, but it's not really. I don't think that's Lynch's style. Lynch is more of it. You know, what you see is like that's what's going on, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing's metaphorical here. You know. Yeah. Well, and and the other
0: thing, I think the reason why it's so hard to tell what is Leland, where does Leland begin and where does Bob end, mm-hmm. is Ray Wise, uh is awesome like there were times when i was re-watching the movie you can see the switch you Mm -hmm. can see bob leave leland like when he you know berates laura at the dinner table for having dirty hands and then as they're getting ready for bed you could see his like shoulders start to relax and i think that's leland coming back Mm -hmm. um But yeah, for me, it's hard, although. And I know not really we're we're not really talking about the show, but we keep but we keep bringing up the show. My assistant manager did bring up a good theory, and I think it it's a little bit more sound for sure. Leland is the one that kills Maddie. Mm -hmm. Yes, Bob is possessing him, but it's definitely Leland's decision Mm -hmm. because it's almost like Laura's leaving him all over again.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know, um, but yeah, it's, that's one of the, one of the coolest twists, honestly, though, um, of the fact that it's her dad. Sure. It's gross, but it's it's still pretty, it's still pretty cool. Um,
1: weird. Uh, I, I, I do what you mean.
0: Yeah. Um, now I didn't want to bring up that I love that we get to see this new this different version of Bobby in the in the film.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because Bobby in the show, I mean yes, he's everyone's bad boy that we love um who then turns into a police officer in the return, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, a complete 180 of his character. Um but you know in the in the show Bobby's is this kind of just smart ass asshole. But in the movie, he's more almost subdued, like almost more, more human.
1: Maybe a little. Know? I think that he's still sort of an asshole because like, um, it's him, it's Leland, it's Leo. Like these guys are really bad people, you know? Yeah. Like, um, they're really just awful, abusive, you know? um, and you know, Bobby is abusive. I mean, let's be clear on that. Um yeah. and so like the most of the men that we are familiar with in Twin Peaks are like not nice. <laughs>
0: you know. Except for Big Ed. Big Ed is of awesome.
1: Of course. Big Ed's the best. No one's arguing that. All right.
0: Um <laughs> But yeah, no, because it is it is interesting to watch Bobby like you see Bobby in the show Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and, you know, he's he's picking fights at 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 the roadhouse. He's, you know, uh, threatening to kill James. Um, Of course, in season two, we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) But then, you know, watching the movie, you know, he's he's not different. Because there are those times where, like you, know, like you said, we do see Bobby be abusive and his asshole self that we've seen in the show. But um, there's that scene with him and Laura where he realizes, you're only with me because I can provide you drugs. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And that and that's fine. It's a, it's a I love you more than you love me situation. Yeah. And. And again, like I said, I I feel like it almost humanizes Bobby a little bit more. A
1: little bit. That realization is is a big step in his character, for sure. Um, In that, you know, really, she does only love James. and that she's Mm -hmm. using these other men for her benefit uh, to either escape, you know, or to cope, right, Uh, with Mm -hmm. what she's going through, which she doesn't understand. Yeah. yeah, you know because then she's like being interacted with from you know these people that are you know like from the black watch right like um mm-hmm. that woman and her grandson giving her that picture um mm-hmm. and and
0: the the man from the other place the arm mm-hmm. trying to give her the ring in her dream
1: right right yeah um, And that, you know, how could anybody understand any of that? Right. So yeah. you would find any source available to try to cope and to try to understand. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. with what's going on. Um, So poor Laura and no wonder that she thinks that nobody can help her and that, you know, if you were falling for for years and years and years, like it would it, you would just be numb, you know and in that not even the angels could save you right she truly believes that because she's going through this thing that makes no sense and, yeah. and, and that that nobody can Oh help my her. god. Oh jeez. Yeah. Is That a thing. Yeah, it's a uh, amber
0: alert. Oh, I turn
1: mine off. Anyway, go. um so um so yeah, I mean she's there's there's a reason why she's so pessimistic or nihilistic. Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent. And it's in that only makes the ending so much better. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. Um.
0: So so before we get to the ending, uh, I do want to press pause on Laura's story and talk about the first thirty minutes of the okay. film. Sure. With the the case of Teresa Banks and meeting special agent Chet Desmond and agent uh Sam Stanley. I was about to say, is his name Sam Stanley? Yeah. Sam Stanley. Um, Cause we, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we do hear of Sam in the show. Cause as I was watching the movie, I was like, I don't think either of these guys are ever referenced in the show. But as I've been rewatching the show, there is a reference to Sam. Um Cause Cooper, tells Diane not to go to Sam mm-hmm. to get Albert and his team uh, in on, on Laura Palmer's case. But as far as I know, I don't think Chet Desmond's ever talked about. It, yeah. Which is a, which is a real shame because Chris Isaac crushes that role, man. Um, But anyway, the reason why yeah. I want to uh, pivot to that real quick is because this, this case, um, It is referenced in the show, but it really kind of sets up how Cooper knew how to handle Laura's case, Mm. because everything that we see with Teresa um, and what Chet and Sam go through is almost in a way kind of what Cooper will go through in in Twin Peaks
1: yeah in a um, way it was a good it was a good reminder and a good refresher of how people talk in this world right mm-hmm. uh, cuz what you're right during that first you know 20 some odd minutes um that they're that they're on that case you're you're kind of reminded like oh that's right like in in this twin peaks world like people talk really different and the cadence is weird and the way the phrasing people use is off and people are sort of awkward and dreamlike and uh, and then of course once you're in Twin Peaks now it's just you know it's a matter of fact that that's what's going on and that's just how things work but rewatching it or watching I, I guess it was a rewatch it'd been years since I've seen this movie but um, I had forgotten just how David Lynch writes these people, you know. Yeah, it's it's sort of off-putting in a way, and in, in a lot of ways, um, especially when they're at that uh, that coffee shop, whatever a coffee shop was, uh, uh, Haps
0: Diner. I think that
1: interaction with the the waitress is so weird, <laughs> you know. And well, even yeah. at the, at the sheriff station uh, at the beginning too, it's so weird and strange and and surreal the way that people interact.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, it definitely is, but I did recently learn that the reason why it is the way it is, uh Deer Meadow is it's meant to be sort of the antithesis to Twin Peaks. Got it. Cuz of course we already know again, assuming you've seen the show, we already know that the town of Twin Peaks was very welcoming to the mm-hmm. FBI. You know, yep. uh, Sheriff uh, Sheriff Harry Truman was very open to working with Dale, uh, getting whatever resources Dale needs. As where we see with Chet mm-hmm. and Sam, the local law enforcement does not want to help right. them. You know.
1: Well, as told I mean, uh, beautifully by the woman in the red dress. I mean, we, we already yes. –
0: yeah, we already knew that. Uh, like one of my favorite parts, and it's so funny, just because of the the line that's written, is when Chet asks about the ring, <laughs> the sheriff goes, We got a phone, it's got a little ring on it. <laughs> like it's so good. Um, but yeah, I think it was Lynch trying to remind us like, hey, in Twin Peaks. You know Twin Peaks is its own thing outside yep. of that. Um, the world is not like that,
1: however. Maybe. Um, in contrast, at least from a viewing standpoint, uh, the it's very unwelcoming. You are absolutely correct, and it is the antith- antithesis of Twin Peaks. Um, however, the first 20 some odd minutes gives us Harry Dean Stanton. and so it's all forgiven, yeah. Uh,
0: dude, I I forgot he was in the movie. And so when I saw his name show up, I was like, wait, so he's in the return and he's in this one
1: as this character. I believe
0: I was about to say, I think he's the same character yeah, in the Return because he's got that bandaid on his head. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Harry and I, <laughs> his character again, uh, if we haven't, I'm sure everyone knows your love of Harry Dean Stanton, but if we haven't, if we haven't, Spoken it enough. Harry Dean Stanton's awesome, and just like David Bowie, he steals all the scenes he's in. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um,
0: like when they see the sign, "Never disturb. Do not disturb until uh, before nine a.m." Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, it's not nine a.m." Uh, and oh, like shit. they get their badges ready.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and even, even uh, there's a payoff when uh, when Cooper goes. And you don't see the first part of the, re- the interaction, but then he's like, sorry to wake you, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. he also showed up before 9am, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's yeah. great. Um, it's a great payoff.
0: But yeah, you know, and it's, so, so back to the, the, the first 20 minutes, you know, it's just so interesting that Lynch gives us these new characters, especially cause Chet disappears. After Mm -hmm. touching the the Owl Cave ring, he disappears. And we fucking – he's just gone. Gone. I don't – yeah, because if I'm remembering correctly in the return, I don't think he's even mentioned at all in the return.
1: I mean, I wish I could tell you I know for sure, but I don't. Um, I
0: don't think he is. I I, 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 I truly don't think
1: he is. It would have been really cool, but I, I don't think so. Um, I'm looking. I don't think so. Don't think I see what is this. Um. Okay. He's. Yeah. No. Well, and again, like you said at the top of the show, this is supposed
0: was supposed to be the first in a trilogy, right? So I bet there was going to be a payoff. Well, in Lynch's terms, a payoff for Chet, but you know we'll never know, right?
1: Exactly. Which.
0: Which again is disappointing because I think Chris Isaac did such a great job mm-hmm. playing this almost kind of again and like the anti-Cooper. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's he's nice on occasion, but he, you know, he kind of gets what he wants, you know, and he, he's he's not afraid to fight for it.
1: Yeah, because there is might a, just be the the position he's being put in, right? Because again, he's surrounded by people who don't want him there and so he's having to force himself in these situations mm. and force people to provide information right Cooper going yeah. have to do that you know
0: sure yeah so Cooper got to be <laughs> himself like I got to the episode today where they introduce Albert and you know and Harry Harry gives Albert a piece of his mind it was like you know if anyone talks to me like that, they'd be finding their teeth two blocks up and Albert's just kinda like and Cooper's just standing there with a, a shitting grin, just getting. and he just does the whole you know <laughs> it's it's so but but you're right, yeah, because you know, Chet is in a town where they don't want him there, but he's gotta do his job. Um and also uh if you've read the if you've read the books, you'll know that Chet is a part of, or no, I don't think he is part of the blue rose task force.
1: He would he knows because blue he rose. knew, well, he knew about the blue rose, right? That's right. Um, and so I think he is part of the blue rose task force, which again, don't know. No clue what that means.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mark, Mark Frost expand upon it in, in the book, Okay, in the books. I think it's, it has something to do with the case that Cole was on. Mm-hmm. um, involving a blue rose and so it that became the the iconography for this task force got a good um, word which philip jeffries is also part of the blue rose task force yeah that makes um
1: sense. and also again, would've, sidebar would have been expanded on in the next two movies and we never got
0: yeah also i love the fact that lynch brought back cole uh cole is my favorite part of the entire yes. twin peaks universe yes agreed. um If anyone didn't know, character of, I don't remember his last name. I just know he, everyone just calls him Cole. Um, He's the FBI director, kind of. Dale Cooper's boss, uh, played by Lynch himself. And in a very Lynchian way, decided to play him with hearing loss. So he's got hearing aids that he's got the dial cranked all the way down. So he yells at you and it's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> um, but I love, I love for the return. He pays it off to where Cole can adjust the volume. Mm-hmm. And so if he turns it up, he can talk normal, but you have to be very careful because it's right. Cause it's too high. Know.
1: And that, and in a way it's very sweet because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to hurt Cole. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's like, that's, the reason – like this technology that he is using for hearing, it hurts to turn it up and so that's why he keeps it all the way down. It's it's a good payoff and it's very sweet. Um, I'll tell yeah. you who my favorite person in the FBI is and uh, that's Albert. and Yeah, um, yeah played by uh, Miguel um, Ferrer. Um,
0: yeah, RIP.
1: Oh my god, he was so incredible. Um, and – Again, an essential part in the return. Um, mm-hmm.
0: I think he. I think from what my assistant manager told me, he he passed away shortly once they were done with production on the return.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it got to be like the last thing he did. Um, and he's so good in that, and yeah. you know, again, we probably would have gotten so much more in these other two films. Um, yeah, because. And it's sort of this weird thing that I was thinking about, especially with his character, because his character seems more, more in touch with reality. <laughs> some would mm-hmm. say, uh, mm-hmm. in that when he's yelling at Cooper, you know, for you know this sort of whimsical, um, otherworldly feeling of knowing who the next victim will be. Albert is still sort of like, he's not saying he doesn't believe him. He's saying that he's not being more specific, you know? And so it's, you know, like when you first meet Albert, you think, oh, he's just good. Of course, because that's what we're used to. And he's being ridiculous. Right. But no, Uh it's still a David Lynch world. And so he is more grounded than everyone else, but he's still kind of still floating right above. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, a hundred, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Just this whole like, well, way to go, Coop. You just described half the girls in America, blonde in right. high school, addicted to drugs. Yeah, cool. You know, exactly. He's um, not
1: mad that he's having this feeling. You know, that makes no sense. Um, yeah, yeah, he's
0: <laughs> mad that Coop can't
1: <laughs> narrow it down. Yeah, <laughs>
0: um, yeah. You know, it's funny that you want to talk about Albert. Because I was literally, before I left for work, I was bringing up the fact that, you know, Albert, and again, I'm just, we're just going to talk about it. I feel like he he has one of the most interesting character arcs across the show, the movie, mm-hmm. and the return. Um, because, you know, when we meet him in the show, he's very stubborn, very hard-headed, very much an asshole, very entitled. Yeah. And as the show progresses, he starts to lighten up especially becoming friends with Harry. Of course, with the movie, we get to see that old school asshole (laughs) Albert again. Um, But then with return, he's much softer, a little bit sweeter Mm -hmm. um, and almost more patient and less, less entitled. And I just, I don't know. I I just, I really like Albert's character arc Mm -hmm. across all of these. And, you know, if Lynch, Which I don't think he will, but if Lynch were to ever bring back Twin Peaks for another movie or something, it'll be very disappointing to not see Albert come back.
1: I know. Um, It's the same thing I felt about uh, the Log Lady, right? When uh, near the end, when the Log Lady sort of is reassuring uh, Laura. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I... I love the long lady. (laughs) uh, Yeah, she's so good. And even again, we keep talking about it again, because it's hard not to. It's hard not to bring in stuff from the other thing, because it all sort of interconnects in this weird way where it's sort of like it's all happening at the same time, you know, Mm -hmm. it's how it feels. That's how that's how Lynch makes Twin Peaks feel like it's all happening at the same Mm -hmm. time uh like in the return yeah. when the log lady you know unfortunately that actress was very sick um and she only had you know like that one scene and she's you know wearing you know her oxygen tubes you know i i i, I felt so sad to see her that way but also so happy to see her again and so i could only imagine that if you were a big fan of the show and you went to go see this movie and you saw the log lady you'd be very happy um, yeah it, that she got this very quick A very meaningful appearance. um,
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, and
0: yeah, and and you're right. You know, it's hard. It's hard to talk about this movie without bringing up the original show and the return, because because again, you're right that Lynch and Mark Frost both clearly had a a an outline. Uh, maybe Lynch a little bit more than Mark Frost because Lynch, you know, did the movie without Mark Frost, but you know they came back together for the return.
1: Do you know why they, Mark Frost didn't have anything to do with the film?
0: Um, I tried to find something. I even asked my assistant manager. I was like, "Dude, do you know why Mark Frost wasn't involved in the film?" And he was like, "I he didn't even know." Um, I I think maybe it was because. I don't know. I'm not even gonna try to speculate. Sure, yeah. Um,
1: I mean, because we even joked off Mike that you know this felt more, more lynch because Mark Frost wasn't there to be like, "Hey, man, you got to reel it back a bit." <laughs> you know?
0: hey, dial dial down this surrealism, bro. We got to, We have a story to yeah, tell yeah. here.
1: The normies aren't going to get this.
0: <laughs> well,
1: well, I mean, you know, we
0: joke, but it's true because it is true when you watch the show because, like. Again, like I said, I am rewatching the show. Yes, the show has some surrealist, you know, definitely you can tell it's Lynch. But it's more not cohesive necessarily. It's more focused, it's dialed in. Yes, it's surreal, but the characters know their motivations, the characters know what they're doing.
1: Speaking so of this, we were to
0: look at I meant yes. to write
1: this down. Um when oh my god, what was her name? Stop. Hold on, Sarah. When Sarah Palmer is hallucinating the horse, wasn't that in mm-hmm. the show? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. Okay. Yes, I think because I distinctly oh. remember seeing that before, and it wasn't in the movie. I remember thinking like um, that was in the show before.
0: I want to say Maddie sees the horse okay. right before Leland kills her.
1: Okay, cool. Um, We're good to go then. But of course that's not till season 2. And um and also like the significance of the horse, who knows. Guaranteed that's one of the things like David Lynch was like it'd be cool if we got a horse in here. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't
0: it be cool if right before right before this character dies she saw a white
1: horse. Which makes Mark Frost was sense probably- because she sees the horse right before Laura dies, I think. If I'm remembering mm-hmm. that correctly, it's been well, a few days. right before
0: She's sexually assaulted. Mm. Thank you. Because that's that's when Leland or Bob probably That's, Leland, right.
1: that's right because Drugs uh, are Leland Drugs are that's right. You're absolutely right. Um man, it's been a few days. Um
0: But um yeah, so maybe it's Lynch's way of symbolizing something terrible is about to happen. Um you see a white horse, uh oh, yeah, who
1: knows? You're right. Um because um, that's what death is writing in uh, Revelations. That's where that comes from. Mm. Uh,
0: uh, okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, we even um, we talked about it a little bit in come and see because that's where that comes from. Um,
2: mm-hmm. Come and
1: see, and I saw and behold a white horse, and the man who sat upon him was death, and hell followed with him. So that would uh, make sense that it's a white horse. That
2: yeah. So,
1: just nailed
0: it right um, there. <laughs> what if? What if? I mean, that'd be great if he did, but what if Lynch listened to this? And he is like, no, which no. Is like, I thought it'd be cool. Like white horse. There we go. And that's a, in, and in, in all the behind the scenes stuff I've watched of him. That's probably exactly how he did. It.
1: No, no. Who cares? how fucking long a take lasts. <laughs> oh man. He's the best. Also
0: sidebar. Speaking of Lynch. I didn't realize he was in Spielberg's movie, the Fablemans playing John Ford. Mm. And that makes me want to watch that movie even more now. Like I, I wanted to see it cause I love the cast list. I love Paul Dano, but then hearing that David Lynch was playing John Ford, I was like, Oh, f- now I have to see it. Yeah. Um, I know. Lynch is just the best. <laughs> um, but now, uh, uh, <laughs> Oh no, I was just going to say it, it back to the, the point, you know, just, Yeah. The movie is very much Lynch without Mark Frost reeling him in.
1: Yeah. Um, because again, we we get to be a little more explicit, like with, with the drugs, the language and the nudity, right? I mean, that's all, you know, um, that's cranked to 11 pretty much um, mm-hmm. in this compared to the show, of course. Um, um, but speaking of the White Horse, I guess we can start talking about the ending because – um, like you said at the top, um, the ending is so different than how you'd expect because we think mm-hmm. of the Black Lodge or at least the waiting room. we think of it as not the best place to be, okay? um, mm-hmm. we think of it as this the the breeding ground for this evil, especially the the evil that's tormenting Laura. Yet when Laura gets there and somehow greeted by by Cooper even though which is which is amazing to think that this is how david lynch's mind works and how time in the black lodge works because technically Laura was there first right um, yeah. and so it's almost like you know time works differently in the black lodge Um, Mm -hmm. because she's greeted by Cooper and Cooper is almost comforting her, um, as she sees the angel, right. Who has come Mm -hmm. to help, right. Who has come to save her. Um, Mm -hmm. and I believe the angel is also played by Shirley. Um, I'll need to double check. Yeah. We'll need to double check that. I think that's correct, but I might be wrong. Um, and then we get this sort of her her crying yet overcome with comfort and overcome with this joy of being saved or overcome with the sense of relief that she is out of the situation she's, she was in. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though the situation she is in isn't much better because she's now stuck there like, like Cooper is. Uh, it
0: was not Cheryl Lee. I was. found a picture okay, of an on-the-set photo of Cheryl Lee and that
1: actor. Oh, Okay, cool. So uh, that's a uh, missed opportunity. I think that would have been cool. Um, like it would have been any more confusing. Um, <laughs> but and what I love about Lynch's style is that he can take something pretty low-fi or pretty low, low-budget or low-scale – of just the flashing the light at her. Right. And he does this throughout mm-hmm. the show and throughout the, the movie um, where it's sort of this, you know, low tech effects yet within the the tone of the show, it makes sense. Like you're not sitting there thinking like, is he just like flickering a flashlight at her? You know? Um, yeah. You're not thinking that. You're thinking like, okay, this makes sense in this world of the surrealist um, David Lynch space that we're in. Um, and I love that we had that light flashing on her. Um, and again, it's that it almost mimics the, the static of the television in the very beginning of the film um, where we get the, the title sequence mm-hmm. uh, before Leland, you know, smashes the TV. Um, yeah. And again, you're overwhelmed by you know that feeling of relief and the catharsis of her being out of the situation on Earth, and now she or Earth, um, technically the Black Lodge is still on Earth, I guess. Um, yeah, and being comforted by Cooper again, which is is comforting yet strange because it makes it makes it doesn't make sense um, in in the context of time in order of how events happen in the show. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think if it, I, I think the whole thing with Cooper being there was just a way, I, th- I guess, to, I guess maybe have the, um, the, uh, the through line of the fact that, you know, like she's going to help Cooper, solve her own murder later on the show. Well, I have no
1: problem with it. Again, I have no problem with Cooper being there. I actually kind of like it. Because right, right, again, it gives us, you know, this otherworldly feeling of time not being linear within the lodge. <laughs> or at least the way.
0: Yeah. But yeah, no uh but I also agree with what you're saying that we know that she's for the time being at least she's she's safe. Mm-hmm. You know. Um because uh, the arm and Mike got their, uh, I'm gonna try to do it. I was even that was even like saying the word in my head. They're garbonzia. They're pain and sorrow. Uh-huh. Um, by by preventing Bob from possessing Laura.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so yeah, you know the movie again. The movie sort of has a. A cathartic happy ending, at least for Laura, because mm-hmm. she's out of being tormented. Now, granted, yeah, the Black Lodge is, not, as we learned in the show, not the place you want to be. No, but at least while she's in the waiting room, uh, she's safe. Mm-hmm. And and again, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not upset with Cooper being there either. I no. think Cooper.
1: No, I mean Cooper's the best. I mean, I, mean, I like that Cooper's there. Um, I feel yeah. better that Cooper's there. Um, Yeah. It's just the way Lynch, Uh, you know, put it together. It's sort of like, you know, once you think about it for a second, you're like, but I don't understand. And yeah, it's kind of a fun place to be. I don't understand with Lynch. And especially with in relation with the lodge, you know, God knows, (laughs) you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, but so here's my my only thing with the movie. uh, And we've kind of danced around it a little bit. Is that even though, yes, the movie gives us questions to the show, Mm -hmm. but the movie still leaves us with other
2: questions.
0: Like I found one whole video all about the, the, the owl cave ring. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, what is the significance of this ring? Mm -hmm. And is it, evil is it good and the video I found um, pretty much says that the the ring is neither good nor evil it it depends on the intent and I'm like okay so why were they so hell bent to give it to Laura then but I think it's because when Laura puts on the ring at the end of the movie it prevents Bob from possessing her
1: yeah it also seems to be a key because at the at the series-ish finale in season 2 um when Cooper's about to get the ring from the arm the ring disappears and that means he's stuck. You know? Mm-hmm. That means he he is now stuck in the black lodge and his doppelganger Bob is um is now in Twin Peaks. Uh, you mean Mr. C yeah Mr. C uh at the time though you're like it's Bob right because that's what you see in the mirror um is when Cooper or the doppelganger smashes his face into the mirror it's uh Bob on the other side um but yeah you think it's like some sort of key you know mm-hmm. um well and then you know the re- the return
0: reframes the ring As sort of a, yeah, as sort of a key, because you know they're trying to the whole series they're trying to get Mister C to put on the ring, Mm -hmm. and when Cooper finally is able to do that at the end of the show, um, Mister C returns to the Black Lodge, you know. So it's yeah. (laughs) So there's still a lot of questions, and as we've discussed in Eraserhead and Mulholland Drive. Lynch isn't gonna give us those answers. He's so um, uninterested.
1: He he doesn't understand why you care so much. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, and and like I've and like I've told you, like when I was watching the return, I'm like, you know, like I don't want to know the answers, but just give me just give me a little nugget and I'll figure it out on my own. Um but Lynch isn't even gonna do that.
1: If there's anything to figure out. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes things just are. Um <laughs> And you just have to just let it happen, and you have to just let it let it go, and just understand that, you know, there's nothing to figure out. The point is just that it is, um, yeah. And who knows what the intention was here? Because again, we didn't get the trilogy because the the film did so poorly. Um,
0: and and there's you know a hundred uh, an hour and thirty minutes that got cut out and put into the missing pieces. So. Yeah. Um but yeah. Well, uh Jeremy, with that, or, or are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? Yeah. You know, to be honest, this wasn't as long as I thought it was gonna be. I yeah. thought for sure I thought for sure this episode was gonna be a little bit longer, just because again, we have so much lore to cover. Um it's a lot
1: of lore. Yeah,
0: a lot of a lore a lot, a lot of lore. <laughs> um I have uh, begged Ashley to start watching the show with me. And now that Because I really wanted her to watch the movie with me, but I told her, I was like, you know, you're not going to get half of this stuff. It's going to give away a lot of answers. Um, but thankfully, she didn't watch the movie, so now we can watch the show
1: the correct way. I don't think you could promise Haley a brand new, fully furnished house. She would still not watch the show with me. There's no way. She, hate, she would just... <laughs> periodically look over the tv she goes no (laughs) just keep (laughs) going yeah not happening yeah
0: Yeah, i told ashley i was like please i want you to watch this with me i was like it's yes it's weird i was like but it's so good it's so good you know um i just recently rewatched, uh kyle mclaughlin's gq interview and obviously of course he talked about twin peaks obviously and he uh you know, he he loves the character of Dale so much, which is interesting because, like I said, I was going to circle back to it. Um, The reason why Dale got cut back so much is he was worried of being typecast. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, you know, I mm. and so they heavily cut down his role mm-hmm. so that way he didn't have to worry about it. But I mean, in the interview, when he gets to the return, um, he said he was having a meeting with Lynch. And Lynch was like, "Yeah, well, we found a way back to Twin Peaks." And he's like, "David, I never left." (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, man, uh, I love the movie. Um, Yes, tonally, it's completely different from the show, but I mean, it's great. Um, Everything, everything with this universe is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Not for first timers. Uh,
1: If you're definitely not. Yeah. No you got to you got to see the show first. There's no way around it. This isn't one of those people you can just jump in first.
0: Yeah, I I would definitely say watch the show first and maybe have at least one Lynch movie under your belt beforehand <laughs> that way you kind of know. I I would say I would say Mulholland. I think Mulholland Drive is a good sure. first timer, you know, first time Lynch film. Uh, to have under your belt going into twin peaks
1: it's a lot even of though, homework.
0: <laughs> even though that movie came out way before twin peaks or way after twin Peaks.
1: we're so. talking like 30 hours of viewing before you can watch this movie that's insane that's so much homework but i guess whatever yeah um well i mean
0: but if they, but if they but if they love it they'll do the work
1: that's true it's not work if you like, <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> well buddy what are we going to talk about next week? That's a good question. Um, I'm looking at my stuff, and I'm trying to take into account what we've done before. Right? So Mm -hmm. this film, for instance, um, is a certain type of film. So that eliminates some of the films that I have on my list because I don't want to do some, you know, films that require work um back to back so yeah yeah so i think next week um we are going to discuss a film that i'm smiling from here because i can't wait uh because i love it um and we might have at the time this guy was not very well known um Neither of them were, as a matter of fact. Um, So next week, we are discussing a film written by Taylor Sheridan and uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, We are talking Sicario uh, next week. Um,
0: Let's go. So
1: Taylor Sheridan, of course, has become almost a household name with Yellowstone. Um, Mm -hmm. But I knew him with... Sicario, Hell or High Water, Wind River. I mean those films are incredible. Um the American yeah. Frontier Trilogy I think is what he calls it. Um Yes, yeah. And man Sicario is just so good and Denis Villeneuve of course is, you know. He's Denis Villeneuve. Yeah,
0: it's so. Yeah. If people didn't know from our Prisoners episode uh that's the only movie we've done with his so far, right? I think so. Yeah. We haven't done Dune yet, uh, which that would, that's also, that would be another episode that would take time and work. Uh, I don't think we've done.
1: I'm not reading for it. I don't so. think,
0: I don't think we've done blade runner yet No, because we can't do 2049 until we do blade runner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Might be a two part. So road.
0: yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. Um, I, you know, as we talked about in our Hell or Hard Water episode, I mean, I think Taylor Sheridan is a fantastic writer. I haven't started watching Yellowstone, but I want to. It's on my wish list with the prequel shows as well. Mm. Um, same for Mayor of East Town. Um, or is it Mayor of East Town or Mayor of he
1: the he, Jeremy or- Runner? I don't know. Um,
0: I could have sworn he did. Or at least he's he produces it.
1: Oh, no, that's a different one with Jeremy Renner. Mayor of East is with um Kate Winslet. No.
0: Uh Oh, the Mayor of Kingstown. Kingstown. Is Jeremy Renner. Oh, nice Okay. Right, 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 yeah, cool. right. right, right, right. Um, yeah, and I think Taylor Sheridan's also now producing another show for uh, for Paramount Plus called, like, uh I don't even know. I just know it's got Dennis Quaid in it. Okay. Um, I like
1: Dennis Quaid. Um, Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Taylor Sheridan. Um, and I of course love Denis Villeneuve and Sicario is just a knockout. It's so good. And a lot of cool things, a lot of cool, um, a lot of cool methods with building tension. So we'll talk about that, um, next week. It's a very unique film to study tension. So. Yeah, so get ready for that.
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Cool, me too. Well, everyone, uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, the special Wednesday episode of Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, and we will see you next week for Sicario. See you in 25 years.